Hi, I'm Victoria Walker, and I'm so glad that you took time out of your busy day to tune in to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm grateful that you're here. Today, we will dig into one of my favorite Psalms, hands down. It's Psalm 139. If you've ever doubted just how important, significant, and deeply personal your relationship can be with your Creator, well, this Psalm is a great place to start to put those doubts to the side. I've chosen the overarching topic of beauty as the basis for this psalm. This is a bit out of the ordinary, as most expositors hone in on God's omniscience and omnipresence, although we certainly touch on those divine characteristics as well. So please keep in mind that my pinning down a beauty focus is more of a personal take on my part, but I think you will see the connection as we go. We'll take a few deep dives into both external and internal beauty, and I'll offer a few practical and meaningful beauty tips that you can apply in your life. I'm super jazzed about this series. Coming from someone crowned homecoming queen in college, I've had my share of fallouts with chasing beauty and I've learned a thing or two. God has taught me so much that I'm eager to share this with you. This is part one of a series on beauty and today we'll set the historic backdrop to this psalm, looking a bit more deeply into the life of David. I love studying the life of David. His story is positively fascinating from start to finish. Stay with me to find out why. Scholars suggest that Psalm 139 reflects the time David was made king over all Israel around 1000 BC, or before Christ was born. But first, I want to share such a curious story of David's anointing. You have to remember that historically, kings were both anointed and crowned. These were often two separate events. David was first anointed by the prophet Samuel to become the king of Israel about 15 years prior to his crowning. Saul had been crowned the first king of Israel. But unfortunately, he didn't run things quite like God had planned. That's where we have the famous verse that it is, quote, better to obey than sacrifice. Do you remember that? At any rate, it was at that moment that Saul is disgraced from reigning over all of Israel and that God instructs Samuel the prophet to appoint one of Jesse's sons. Now, Jesse lived and his family lived in Bethlehem. The instance in which this occurred is quite fascinating, and you can read all about it in 1 Samuel chapters 15 and 16. David was the youngest of eight sons born to Jesse. And also, do you remember that Jesus Christ was born in the line of Jesse and David? Mm, That's always interesting to think about. So at any rate, Samuel traveled to Bethlehem to invite the elders, as well as Jesse and his sons, to a sacrifice event in Bethlehem. Samuel trusted that the Lord would reveal to him who would be the next king of Israel. Jesse ushered in seven of his sons to pass by Samuel, only to have each one rejected. For one of them, Samuel looked at him, and based on his appearance, he thought to himself, "Mm, this must be the one. But nope. God checked Samuel's spirit and said this, and I think you'll remember this passage too, quote, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, end quote. One after another of Jesse's sons appeared before Samuel for confirmation, but a whopping nothing. 
at one point, Samuel, I don't know, maybe he was discouraged or he's just kind of scratching his head here. And he, he asked Jesse, are these all your children? To which Jesse responded, well, there remains yet the youngest, but he's out there tending the sheep. So David, that was David, who scholars think was between 10 and 13 years old at that time, was brought in. Now he was described as, quote, ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance, end quote. Now, ruddy means red. David was quite likely a red-headed young man, which was not common as most ancient Hebrews were darker-haired. You know, I learned this from the Jewish Encyclopedia, which I love to use in my studies. And by the way, it's free online, jewishencyclopedia.com. You need to go there. Now, beautiful eyes means Well, beautiful, and it can also mean fair and pleasant, but in addition, it may mean to be bright. So for as as for handsome appearance, this word means pleasant, agreeable, and good. So picture this young boy, David, having been called in from watching his sheep, stepping in with red hair, bright eyes, and an agreeable, youthful appearance. The Lord signaled to Samuel that David was indeed the one. He was anointed on the spot, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day forward. And thus begins the adventure between David and King Saul. Now, let's fast forward to about 25 years later, when David is actually crowned king over Judah, as the Israelites were a bit divided at that time. You can imagine things were a bit sticky, as Saul's progeny theoretically should have ascended to the throne, right? But there was David, who had been anointed as as king, and folks knew it. Suffice it to say that there was some warring going on, with David and his group coming out on top, as the Lord would have it. Now, let's advance three more years, and we will see that Psalm 139 is a reflection of this time in David's life when he was publicly anointed king over all Israel. In other words, David was writing about that time in his life. Now, as I read the psalm, picture King David writing about this historic moment in his life. He would have now been, or at that time, been about 40 years old, let's say. His life had been a bit of a whirlwind from that from the time that he was tending sheep until this moment. He defeated Goliath and the pesky Philistines. His life had been threatened. He was in a state of running and fleeing a lot of the time. He had married several times, lost his dearest friend Jonathan, and the great prophet Samuel had also died. David pens these incredible words that testify to God's intricate, extremely intimate, and absolutely spectacular concern for David. This passage cries out for the sanctity of human life as conceived in the womb. And you know what? I I just have to share this. By the way, have you heard of the zinc spark? Literally, that's like an emission of light that occurs when the sperm meets the egg. I love that thought. What a miracle is life. I, I actually had never heard of that until just recently. So I, this, is, this always makes me think of, of how God knows us in the womb and created us in the womb. And then just to think about conception and life starting then. Um, anyway, okay, so as is customary with many of these songs, David starts by praising God. Then he rebukes the enemies, and he ends with his own personal desire for purity and refinement of his thoughts or his very heart. 
Now, you may remember that the names of God, like Lord or Jehovah, which is the proper name for the one true God, the existing and eternal one, and the name God or El, E-L in Hebrew, which means strong, mighty one, and kind of like a hero over all the nations. Well, it's those two names that are actually used in this psalm. In this passage, as I mentioned earlier, God's character traits of omnipresence and omniscience really stand out. Please understand that what was true for David and all his reflections about God is also true for us. God has great plans for you and for your life. He's had it in mind since before you were even born. You were crafted in his image. Does that not just blow your mind? Well, take a moment to look back on your life. It may have been just as bumpy as David's, but in many different ways. Still, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's been your hero, all right. Are you living out these truths? Have you grasped a hold of what it means to have God as your hero? Do you know that God is always with you? To know that your Creator is deeply concerned about every aspect of your physical, emotional, and spiritual life ought to melt your heart. He numbers the hairs on your head for crying out loud. Because Start With a Grateful Heart ministry is all about gratitude as well as our thoughts, please pay special attention to the last couple of, stan- uh, last couple of stanzas of this song. And since I don't have literal enemies at the moment, when I read the Psalms, it's easy for me to envision the enemy mentioned so often as the enemy of my soul, who is quite active, relentless these days. And if the battlefield is... Th- the mind? Well, I need to remember that I do have a hero who was with me in the highs and lows of living in this 21st century. I better check my thoughts to make sure they are properly aligned with his truths. Now, let's listen. Psalm 139, New International Version. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. hope you are as blessed as I am by the words of Psalm 139. To be fearfully made means we are held in awe and that we ought to inspire reverence and godly honor and respect everywhere we go. To be wonderfully made means to be distinct, marked out, separated, and distinguished. In other words, you're unique, you're special, and you have a special mission on this earth to fulfill. And just a few sobering thoughts about the psalm in terms of your mission. In the psalm, we are reminded of God's omniscience. God not only knows your thoughts, but he can help you examine them. Do you know yourself? Will you know yourself and your thoughts about Christ here on earth while you can? Or will you know yourself beyond the grave when you meet God's judicial wrath? In other words, self-knowledge and self-awareness and owning up to what you are thinking about is just a matter of time. Now, here I'm paraphrasing from a sermon called God's Knowledge of Man by a gentleman whose last name was Shed, in which he also says self-knowledge can come, quote, here in this world where the blood of Christ freely flows or in the future world where there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, end quote. What I think he is saying is that as we examine our thoughts, we better take note of who we think God is and the reason he created us. We have the privilege of accepting his truths while we walk this earth, lest we face the consequence of death without him. He knows what you're thinking about. God is also ever-present. He's omnipresent. His presence is constant and powerful. He knows what we're up to. Often, when we willingly choose sin or kind of step into sin unwittingly, we may want to hide it. But from the psalm, we are reminded that there is absolutely nowhere, no place we can run and hide from God's sight and His reach. This brief story from the weekly pulpit illustrates this point so well. And please note that I'm assuming this refers to the naval blockade in the early 60s during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Quote, While the Americans were blockading Cuba, several captains endeavored to elude their vigilance by night, trusting that the darkness would conceal them as they passed between the American warships. But in almost every case, the dazzling rays of a searchlight frustrated the attempt, and the fugitive's vessel was captured by the Americans, the brilliant searchlight sweeping the broad ocean and revealing even the smallest craft on its surface is but a faint type of the eternal light from which no sinner can hide his sin. End quote. 
In many ways, if we do not agree with what God says about us, we are choosing to believe enemy lies and to camp out on enemy territory. God clearly tells you just how much He loves you and how beautifully He crafted you. Do you believe Him? Are you coming into agreement with the enemy of your soul who would love to have you believe that you're defective, less than, ugly, too fat, too skinny, too dark, too light, too tall, too short, and the list goes on. Can you examine your thoughts and choose wisely what you dwell on in your heart? And you know, God is omnipresent, but it's not just when we're sinning. It's also when we need Him. He's just a prayer away. God is with us in the ups and downs of this life. I always like to shine a little light on Jesus Christ. Those last couple of lines from the psalm make me think of how Jesus had enemies all right, but it was for those very foes that he was designed and crafted in his mother Mary's womb. It was for those very enemies that he walked this earth for 33 years and ultimately gave his life. Christ had nothing but love for those folks, which would include you and me. His job was to lead in the everlasting way. Are you on the right path? Oh, do you hear Rico? Rico, come here, Rico. <laughs> come here. Oh, I'm going to pull him up over here. He's like, he's like, Nanita, stop, stop. But listen, fellow brain changer, that's what I'm calling you. Over the next week, can you ponder exactly what it means to be seen and loved by God? David recalled and penned the words to this beautiful psalm about his deeply personal relationship with Creator God. Listener, let's you and I both get our thoughts right with God today. Let's choose to think and don't delay. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for always being with us. Thank you for knowing us perhaps better than we know ourselves. For those who may never have come face to face with you or who may not fully understand what Jesus' death and resurrection mean, grant to them that knowledge and self-awareness today. Give them spiritual eyes to see the sheer beauty of that beastly cross. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've considered quite a bit today, going from the historic backdrop of Psalm 139 and ending with the true beauty found in Christ's sacrifice for our own ugliness. I've given you a call to action. Examine your own thoughts about God and about Jesus. Get to know yourself and what you're thinking about. Get to know God and what He thinks about you. You will be so glad that you did. Now, we've got a good foundation set on this psalm, especially historically. We're ready to move on next week with our beauty lesson. Yes, we'll find out exactly how to become more beautiful physically. The concluding part three episode will emphasize true and lasting inner beauty and how to find and foster it. And I'm going to make a bold claim right now. If you really, really, really want to become more beautiful, You do not have to lose weight, count calories, carbs, or pounds. You don't need a crown on your head. There are no food or exercise restrictions, and it gets better. Believe it or not, you can grow more and more beautiful as you age. The process is not completely free, as it will require your valuable time and emotional and spiritual energy, but you get to kind of walk in the freedom of the knowledge of knowing that you are beautiful just the way you are. 
So please be sure to stay tuned to the next couple of weeks. And better yet, subscribe to the show. I would really appreciate it. Check out the show notes below on how to stay connected. Please subscribe and pass the show episode link onto your friends, family, on social media. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.